0: Good evening, and welcome to another special edition of The Trigger Report. Live in studio with my co-host Derek Cooner, this is Tyler Woodbridge. We've got an exciting show on tap for you tonight. Derek, do you know that libertarians can also be socialists?
1: Um, I, uh, I've been learning uh, a lot about libertarianism late, and, um, that is something uh that is something i think uh i've started to um believe um uh liberal republicans is a, is another thing that that you hear or not anymore anyway but uh that's something uh you might have used to hear but not anymore
0: Exactly. And we've got a special guest from the Libertarian Socialist Caucus tonight that will be uh, kicking it with us and sharing some pieces of that philosophy. A gentleman by the name of Bo Brown. And he's right from central Ohio, having grown up in Lancaster with none other than our second guest, uh, Chrissy Weikers, who's running for legislative office in Ohio. And Ms. Weikers is a libertarian environmentalist. So we're going to get to hear about how a lot of different philosophies can intertwine into libertarianism tonight and to hear more about these uh, ladies and gentlemen and their exciting projects. Are you ready for a great show, Derek?
1: Yeah, yeah, I am, and I, I, I'm i very interested in hearing these, these different views of the uh, libertarian uh, platform because um, – that that is something that has kind of drawn me in to the party. Uh, I I'd say I'm a beginner when it comes to learning about the Libertarian Party. Not not that you have to have uh, a of knowledge to be in the party, but I I I think um, uh, the more the more views that I hear, um, which I'm very open to hearing. Uh, the more uh, libertarian I become.
0: Hi, and I'm so glad to hear it because I really do think that libertarianism could be the impetus of the resistance as we move forward through the midterms. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and kick it over to introducing our special guest tonight. So buckle up and get ready for a special edition of The Trigger Report. So our first guest has made it into studio, and uh, I just want to be the first to give a cordial trigger report welcome to none other than Chrissy Weikers. She can also be known as a mononymous figure like the prince, the Madonna, the the share of the political world, as you're going to see lots of bright purple signs that just simply say Chrissy popping up across Ohio here soon. Uh, Chrissy, glad to have you here tonight.
2: Thank you, good to be here. And by the way, it's pronounced wickers, like wicker basket. I know it's weird.
0: Oh, well, I could swear I went to your Facebook uh, to research ahead of time, and I thought it said wikers in your uh, pronunciation file. Is <laughs> that something that needs to get corrected?
2: Um, yeah, I probably should correct that then. Um, what's funny is that you're, you're the first person to say wickers. You like witchers. Or um, whiskers, I've gotten. <laughs> so, likers is quite interesting. Do you see why I'm just going with Chrissy? <laughs>
0: uh, all right. Yes, yes. That's the easiest way to go. And, uh, you know, that's some very brilliant branding. That that sign, it really pops. It really draws uh, attention. Uh, that was created by none other than uh, Kieran O'Shea, correct?
2: Yep. Uh, he did a great, fantastic job. Uh, he's done all my design, my T-shirts and he's he's fantastic
0: all oh, right yes yes if it, anybody out there is uh looking for a new shirt sign uh marketing branding programs uh whether you're an activist or a uh, business person or otherwise check out uh karen o'Shea with the mad statist uh he does some phenomenal work uh but yes uh Chrissy, uh, let's go ahead and hear uh, some more about your campaign, uh, your goals and uh, what it's going to be looking like uh, moving forward.
2: So we just actually started running about 10 weeks ago. Thanks to Ohio's draconian ballot access laws, we had to wait until we had party, uh, minor party status. We got that in July when we turned in over 102,000 signatures. So the Libertarian Party is officially on the ballot. And so we were able to start running shortly after we turned in those signatures. So, uh,
0: yes, yes. And um, Ohio was one of uh, uh, the last uh, four states in the union to uh, get ballot access for uh, libertarians, because, uh, of course, the state I'm in now, Tennessee, and I think Mississippi are the two others that are fighting the fight right now. Um, yeah, I remember. when I was working on the Charlie Earl campaign uh, back in '14. Uh, I was doing some volunteering for him when everything just hit the fan. And it's just been awful to see all the work that the state of Ohio has had to put our
2: uh, libertarians through. Yeah, it's uh, it's insane. It took us twenty thousand hours of volunteer work. Um, it took eighteen months. Took over two hundred thousand dollars. Just to get on the ballot because of that Charlie Earl campaign. Because I'm sure you remember, the Republicans did some shisty stuff to kick the Libertarians off
0: the ballot. Uh, yes, yes, because I—that was when I was first into the party, and I was going to events. I, I got to have, uh, you know, dinner with uh, Mister Earl, and uh, I got to hear him speak. Things in the and I, I gotta say. Uh, tr- Ohio really missed out by not having Charlie Earle on the ballot, but uh, yeah, we have you. Uh, we have, of course, uh, uh running for governor and Dustin Nana uh, running for secretary of state. You guys all seem to be a pretty tight-knit kin running for major office in Ohio right now. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think it helps that all of us were pretty active volunteers on the ballot access Um petition drive that we did. So when it got come close to getting finished, we all looked at each other. And we're like, okay, we're on the ballot. Now what? Okay, now we have to run for office. <laughs> so um, I think we're all taking a very, like, uniformed approach. So that way we can all support each other. We can all be there for each other. And I mean, even our branding's consistent. So. <laughs>
0: All right. That is uh, very exciting to hear. And uh, yeah, I mean, with all those hours and all of the money and all the effort that Ohio Libertarians have put into it, uh, you guys have shown a lot of passion. What is it about the philosophy of Libertarianism that draws so much passion? And why do you feel it's so important that we continue working hard uh, to fight ballot access and to get on these ballots?
2: Well, to answer your first question, um, I think just learning about liberty and learning about what our country was supposed to be is just passion-inducing. I mean, it makes you want to go and tell everybody, like, hey, this isn't how things are supposed to go. I mean, I don't even know how I used to have normal conversations before I got into politics because I can't find anything else to talk about because nothing nothing else is as important. Um, but here in Ohio, why it's important that we're on the ballot is because more people in Ohio were unaffiliated voters than both Democrat and Republican combined. They are itching for, you know, another party, not just another party, but people that they can have hope, you know, people that give them hope. And I think that that's what Libertarian Party candidates do, is we give the average person hope because we're average people. We're not career politicians, we're not in it for money, and we're not in it for power. And that's the big difference between us and literally every other other party, is we are in it for power, and people see that and it resonates with them, and they're ready to see regular, everyday, normal people running. And we can't do that without the Libertarian Party having ballot access because me, as a normal, every person, I can't run as a Republican or Democrat. They would absolutely not even let me run because my ideals are liberty and their ideals are the state. So, you know, I think that's why Ohio really, really worked hard on getting ballot access because the Republicans spent $600,000 to kick us off the ballot. So apparently we're and we need to be up in their face every day yeah and not to mention
0: what's going on in ohio but what went on nationally during the last election cycle the democrats spent more money discrediting gary johnson than gary johnson had spent on his own campaign is that mind-blowing
2: <laughs> yeah it's absolutely insane it shows that they're scared and it's sad that they spend that much money i mean they they try to say, you know, trust us with your money, uh, we're the government, but look at how much money they spend just to decredit one person. And that not work for a lot of people. A lot of people saw right through it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And um, my co-host uh, Derek's back in the studio. And also, I see that uh, Bo Brown is in with us. Uh, how are you guys doing tonight?
1: I'm doing well. What's up?
0: Oh, you know, I'm just excited to have you on here. Uh, this is the first time the podcast has had four people on, so it's a party, you yeah. know. I uh, drink them if you got them, smoke them if you got them, you know, and yeah. this is all about uh, inclusion and in, a in, uh, you know camaraderie.
1: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm interested in uh, learning some some new things, um, and uh, and expanding my uh, horizons about libertarianism.
0: One big stereotype that I hear from uh, your run-of-the-mill Democrat, uh, for example, your run-of-the-mill Democratic Socialist, the stereotype is – that the Libertarian Party uh, represents unfettered uh, capitalism and and greed. You know, they like to say that we're just Republicans who are okay with smoking weed. And I take great offense to that. And so I'm going to go ahead and kick it over to Bo, who's actually a uh, big figure in the Libertarian Socialist movement. And I want you to explain to the layman what exactly libertarian socialism stands for and why there's room for that in the libertarian party.
3: Well, libertarian socialism stands for a completely freed market, but it's not a capitalist market. The libertarian socialist caucus stands against the sort of um, private means of production. What we would rather see are individuals have control over that. And the individuals have control over their own property without having the state interfering with titles and having a monopoly on that sort of thing. And the reason we have a space in the Libertarian Party is because we're anarchists, uh, the, the vast majority of us. There are, there are some individuals who might be described as left minarchists, but we all accept the non-aggression principle. And so we fit very the libertarian articulation of the non-aggression principle. So we fit neatly. Into the into the party, I believe.
0: Uh, yes, I, I agree. <laughs> I think a very important concept that's went around over the last few months is that of bottom unity, where the on the right hand side the libertarian capitalists and the minarchists can band together with the libertarian socialists mutualists. Egoists, whatever it may be. And th- I think it's more important that we fight in favor of social issues right now. I-, I think it'll take a lot less time and effort to fix what's wrong in our country socially than it would be to fix what's wrong economically. Uh, w- would you guys agree with that?
1: Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I uh, it's, it's almost like uh, it's Republicans and Democrats – is like a has become sort of like a mental illness for for our country and libertarianism is just the new way of thinking about politics that's just uh, as the more i i I dive into libertarianism the more I, i start to see all kinds of branches of the party uh coming together and having discussions like our founding fathers envisioned, um sure there's gonna be times where we disagree and and uh, healthy debate, but I don't think I don't think uh libertarians are gonna be pointing and shouting and saying, Oh you fucking lib or or uh <laughs> y- you know, you know, it's just it's it's preposterous some of the some of the antics I, I hear and see on social media
0: yeah i agree like that there's definitely uh, i like to call it kind of like a team sports mentality that's taken over rather than working together to find a reasonable solution uh, because it's like on the right you have everybody just trying to own the lips and on the mainstream left you have everybody uh trying to uh play the oppression olympics and kind of uh just cast everybody that disagrees with them as like a bigot or a racist at least that's what the mainstream view would let you have but when you speak to individuals and you grind it down you find out that not everybody's really like that
3: i also think it's important that that sort of the sort of the team mentality that you were talking about that's that's something that we want to hold on to We want to have that competitive spirit, but we just need to direct it outwards towards Republicans and Democrats. that's that's the name of the of the partisan game. We are a a team and this is a team sport. And I think that's one of the the bigger missteps in the Libertarian Party among libertarians is we take that sort of combative combativeness and that willingness towards conflict. And instead of attacking Republicans and Democrats, we tend to attack our own.
0: Yeah, yeah, and for those that are un- initiated, uh, you know, I'm going to have a blended audience of uh, people established in the Libertarian Party and then people that might be a little bit more LP curious. Yeah, to those that, that you know aren't familiar, there is countless philosophies within the Libertarian Party, and. It, it, We do have a tendency to eat our own because it's kind of like a small pond right now. And so that's where I believe like the concept of uh, bottom unity and finding common ground will help boost us as we head into the midterms and then beyond. Um, You know, one thing I do want to cover with Chrissy here real quick, if I could uh, loop her back in. Uh, You have a very strong environmentalist uh, background much about it. So that's why I'm going to open up to you. How do you feel like the uh, philosophy of environmentalism and that of
2: libertarianism can coincide? I think that libertarianism is the only way to be an environmentalist because our government is our biggest polluters. Um, They take our tax dollars and they give it in the form of subsidies to big factory farms, to the oil industry, to fracking. And that all pollutes our environment. So why would I then go to the government and say, hey, fix this? Because they're the problem. So, you know, you have ex-Monsanto and Syngenta execs running the FDA. You have ExxonMobil running the EPA. So clearly that's not working. So what we need to do is get the government completely out of it. And, I mean, look at the trend right now. I mean, health food and being green is trendy. So if we let the free market take care of that and get the government out of the way, then environmentalism will not only prosper, but I believe it would be a huge focus, you know, because I personally, I I agree with the non-aggression principle, that's why I'm a libertarian, and I believe polluting my property is against the NAP. So in that case, it's it's unlibertarian to not care about the environment.
0: Right, right. That's kind of like uh, you know, my belief is I'm more of a Chicago school economist than I am, you know, say an Austrian school guy. And so, for example, I know a lot of the teachings of Milton Friedman, uh, you know, projected a form of environmental stewardism, of responsible, uh, you know, approach to the root environment like there's a libertarian case for a carbon tax you know for example like not all taxes are necessarily uh you know evil as long as you have like a voluntary moral kind of application towards them what do you guys think about that
2: as far as the carbon tax goes um i work with an organization called citizens climate lobby and they have a bill and it's um, it's kind of a carbon tax, but it's a little different. It's called a carbon fee and dividend program. So what they do is they charge polluters a certain percentage based off of the uh, CO2 they emit. And then they take all of that money, besides 1% that it goes to bureaucracy, but they take 99% of that money and give it back to you in the form of a stimulus check to each each household member that is a taxpayer. So um, yeah, it's it's... it's Actually, I think a very decent idea. It's not, um, you know, the, the penalties that will be definitely, you know, brought down to the consumer by these corporations that are charged would be able to be refunded through the stimulus. So I am of the opinion that that is a decent idea that everyone can get behind. But, of course, in the Libertarian Party, <laughs> that that's not very popular because it is the term.
0: Yeah, and so one thing that I am uh, seeing a lot of in the Libertarian Party is kind of like this uh, chism between the neo – I don't know how to – neo-paleo type of thought coming from like the Mises Caucus, uh, and they – are touting like this big game that you know they're here to change the LP and uh, you know kind of bring it back to more of a Ron Paul oriented type of feel. Uh, but I'm sure you've got some strong opinions on what the Mises Caucus uh, really is about, and I'd be interested in your insight on that.
3: Um, I, I yeah, I, my, if I could just real <laughs> quickly, I want to go back to something that Chrissy was talking about. Um, sure. sure. And, and tied in with the carbon tax, I think that environmentalism is a good, and thoughts on environmentalism is a good case study for ways that disparate philosophies can help each other, right? Libertarian Socialist Caucus, for example, wants to get government completely out of, of all of these sorts of matters. The, as I said, the majority of us are anarchists and we want a free market. And what the Libertarian Socialist Caucus is able to do is to focus energies on ways that corporations would be prevented from establishing the same sort of control that the state does and, and using the same sorts of, of methods and causing the same sorts of pollution, which is exactly what Christie wants to get away from. But on, on, the, yeah, subject, no, on the subject of a carbon tax, that I, I I don't think that's something that that the Libertarian Party should get on board full force with. I think it, it, it might be good for some electoral capital, but I'm not sure that it's a compromise we ought to be willing to make. I'm not sure that there, there are plenty of Republicans who are in Republican, you know, talking heads and the think tanks who are willing to come out with carbon tax proposals and carbon dividend proposals. I'm not sure that's the space for the Libertarian Party. Um, but I mean, may, I, I guess I get the argument, but I, I just don't know if it's if that sacrifice is worth the political capital we, we would gain um, yeah. I think you're behind that. But about the Mises caucus, uh, I, I don't know, man. There's, there are so many caucuses within the Libertarian Party that it is really difficult to keep up with um, all the philosophies of each. And I keep trying to tell myself that if you're a member of a caucus within the Libertarian Party, that means that you were you agreed at least to being a Libertarian, which means that you agree you signed off on the LP articulation of the NAP. And so I know we can agree there. And I just I hope that we can agree there and and have sorts of conversations amongst different caucuses. And then you have to take into account that whether or not the individual was genuine when they when they made that commitment to the non aggression principle. I think that as the liberal party grows, we start to recognize that we have to do a better job of self policing and making the distinctions between authoritarian leftism and authoritarian rightism. Uh, or, or right philosophies are to be rejected by libertarians, and we we are the ones that need to make that distinction. Yes, absolutely.
0: And uh, one thing that I would like to really see behind growing the libertarian party is more people taking the time to run for office. You know, and there's nothing wrong with being a paper candidate, but what I'd really like to see is more people uh, devote their free time to really making a concerted effort, uh, like Chrissy. Now, uh, Chrissy, you're not running, of course, with the Republicans or with the Democrats. You don't have quite as big of a a pocketbook as uh, I'm sure they do. So what have been some of your strategies uh, to kind of play from behind, you know, with the the Libertarians having a natural handicap?
2: Well, um, first and foremost, we're out knocking doors every single day. Um, We have multiple volunteers out every day um we go to every single event not only in my district but the neighboring districts you're from ohio bo's from ohio we don't just go to our county fairs people travel to the ones around so we're at every single one uh we've gotten a lot of media coverage and i think that is partially due mm-hmm. for me being kind of a controversial candidate running for office it's not it's not uh normal for a twenty-eight-year-old teen parent, uh, you know, uh someone who's been arrested. It's not normal for someone like me to run for office. So the media's been all over it. But what we're finding is that's a great thing because I a lot of people are like, wow, that's not a normal politician. I like that. Um sixty eight percent of my district went for Trump. So they clearly don't mind you know, uh, a by the pussy type candidate, and I'm even milder than that. So we've uh, kind of been using the controversial, you know, angle. And um, I already had kind of a base here where I'm at, because I grew up here. This is my hometown, and I've, like you said, I've been involved in a lot of activism. And a lot of that activism has been here in my area. So, a lot of organizations, a lot of businesses, a lot of, um, a lot of voters already know who I am and already know my commitment. So, when I go out and talk to them, they're like, oh, yeah, didn't you get arrested for protesting? And I'm like, I sure did. And yes. that's when they're like, ah, yeah, no, I, I know you care. I would, yeah, I'd love, love to vote for you. Uh, for instance, last night, we once a week, we go out on, uh, to, on Monday nights to a bar in town it is the busiest night because it's half price drinks, and I the owners are kind of cool with me. The bartenders kind of cool with me, so I go around giving my stump speech. And uh, I had someone tell me, "Oh, legalize marijuana." But see, that's kind of normal now. Like, no legalize marijuana. Like, tell me something provocative, and I'm like, "Well, I want to legalize recreational cocaine." And the whole bar erupted, and they're like, "Yes!" I even got applause. <laughs> you know, so that's what we're doing different. We're being real. We're being honest, we're being in your face, and we're doing something every single day. We're not just relying on the team of interns, where I'm the person locking doors. I'm personally talking to voters, and I am talking about controversial things like legalizing recreational marijuana and lying to the police and not giving them your real name if you don't want to.
0: Because you were feeling extra anarchist that day.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> and see, what's funny is the media not only, you know, picked up that story and my campaign manager was like, oh, no, this is going to be it. Um, but the quote, they called me, asked me for a quote, asked me why I got charged with falsifying um, f- falsifying information. And I said, because I got pulled over. And I, had, I was feeling a little extra anarchist that day. I don't want to tell the cops who I was. I arrested all the time for protesting. And the media actually printed that quote in a giant quote box, and I shared that quote around and got about $500 in donations from people I don't even know because of that quote. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think a lot of us do feel extra anarchist at some point throughout our days whether we know it or not. And uh you know, I that quote obviously resonated with me. Uh, so you mentioned your campaign manager, uh his name's uh, Kyle Pierce, correct? Can you tell me about the the great job he's been doing? I've been seeing him pop up everywhere, man.
2: Oh my God. So I am so lucky to have Kyle. First of all, um, Kyle, uh, this has nothing to do with him as a person, but he's a gay man. What that means is he's sassy. And I, you know, people that know me know that I'm sassy. So I need someone who can keep up with me and keep up with the sass and help me come up with good ideas. And oh my gosh, I found, my gay man twin in Kyle, Um, not only is he just with it and quick, um, he knows what he's doing. He is so confident. He, uh, I mean, he got us a schedule. We're the only candidate in Ohio. That's including our gubernatorial candidate, including our statewide. We're the only candidate in Ohio that has a scheduled debate with opponents. You know,
0: uh, I saw that. That's so exciting.
2: Yeah, and Kyle did that. Kyle reached out to the, he did some research, found out that the Rotary Club um, had done a debate previously for a mayor campaign, uh, for a mayor's race. So he asked, he got a hold of them and said, hey, would you, you know, be willing to sponsor a debate? And they were on top of it. They, uh, Kyle had them ask our opponents, so of course their opponents had to say yes and um, got that scheduled, and that's next month. Um, Kyle is on top of um, getting donors, on top of the website, on top of um, getting to events. Uh, he's, he's a full-time campaign manager, and I think that that is important for libertarian campaigns. They need a campaign manager that is willing to put in as much time as the candidate. You know, um, yeah. My job is shaking hands, kissing babies, getting donors, talking to voters. Kyle literally does everything else. So every time anyone compliments my race and they're like, Holy cow, you guys are doing so well. I always want to point to Kyle and say, Kyle is on it. I've already told him he needs to train other campaign managers. You know, um, I was a campaign manager myself for a few campaigns. I've been working on campaigns for 10 years, but, uh, Kyle is one of the best I've ever seen. And this is his first campaign he's ever worked on besides sign waiting for Gary Johnson.
0: Oh, and he's doing a great job. You guys have a lot of visibility. I mean, I've seen you at pride parades, uh, the Canal Winchester parade, uh, you know, like your, your social media presence is just uncanny. Uh, yeah. So any libertarian listening, uh, especially if you live in Ohio. Hey, it sounds like Kyle Pierce might be your guy. So after we see Chrissy uh, win the uh, 77th District and uh, go to the Ohio State Legislator, uh, give Kyle a call for your campaign. It sounds like he's going to work some wonders for you.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Kyle was actually mulling around a run for the city council. And then um, and, and he said, you know, I, I want to be done with politics after this, you know, I want to get into city council and just be done after that. And I told him, nope, sorry, you've done way too good of a job on my campaign publicly that you're going to be getting phone calls. He already is. Freaking Dustin Manor, who's running for Secretary of State, keeps trying to poach him. <laughs>
0: okay.
2: Everybody wants to
0: know. Yeah, and I got to say, you know, you've attracted a lot of attention, and uh, furthermore, uh, Bo, I want to say the Libertarian Socialists have been attracting a lot of attention. I'm in a few group chats with a lot of my fellow Native Ohioans, and I've been really trying to find a new way to stump for libertarianism with them. And I think we're really trying to draw them in with the idea of bottom unity, with the visibility and strength behind Chrissy's campaign. I mean, y'all are getting fans from Ross County, Franklin County, Pike County. Uh, You know, I'm working on my uh, Fairfield County people and my, uh, you know, things like that. But, uh, hey, you know, I got to say, you guys have really been killing it. Uh, No, it's
2: better. Uh, Real quick, what's funny is that Kyle Pierce is actually uh, like—he's a libertarian socialist too.
0: Hey, would would you look at that? And I honestly like—I can't. You know, I'm not 100 percent with libertarian socialism ideas, but there's a lot of it that I can respect and agree with. And I think it's like Larry Sharp said, if you agree with 80 percent of something, you know, you can work out the 20 percent later. And so that's why I, I'm really willing to work with the libertarian socialists and, and make uh, forward progress with them. So it's definitely interesting. Now, my co-host, Derek, um, He's a prospective libertarian, I guess you could say. He's a bit newer to the philosophy. And Derek, I just want to see if you have any questions for either Bo or Chrissy uh, about the philosophy or just in general.
1: Yeah, I, I have a couple questions. Um, I have been listening to uh, what both of you guys have had to say. I think it's very interesting. Uh, I think what you have, uh, Chrissy, with you, you got going mm-hmm. with your uh, campaign uh, sounds – sounds very very exciting um, could you could you tell me um, you you're 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 on the wave right riding the wave on on a new shore on a new horizon can, can you tell me what that's like to be to be where you've never been before and feel the excitement of of uh, being places you've never been before, and and your in the
2: political arena. I mean, uh, this is all so new all the time. Every time I think, "Wow, this is uh, this is crazy. This hasn't been done before." It happens again in a week, um, but it is. So exciting! Um, I try to downplay it a lot, um, like especially with my family and with my normal friends. But I'm having the time of my life, and it is, it is, it's addicting. Um, I, I just, it's like you get a adrenaline rush all the time. It's, it's like smoking a bowl in front of a cop. You know, it's like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. oh my gosh, what's going to happen next? Like, is is this going to bring me a lot of hate? Is this going to bring me love? Is this you know you never know what your next action is, what, what the consequences of your actions are, and so experiencing it not only um, as part of a campaign but as the candidate, it is uh, like it seriously is addicting. Um, I had a hit piece come out against me. Uh, about three weeks ago and I don't think I slept that night because I was like so worried. I had so much stress. My poor husband was getting yelled at all day because I just could not I could not calm down because there was a hit piece out. Like what are people gonna say? And then I had people sending me money and putting in the in in the little box that you can leave a comment with like um yeah fuck the police and I'm like (laughs) Oh my God, this is amazing. Like, I was, why would I even stress about this? Like, I know my libertarian fam has my back. And oh my God, these people that have never heard me, who don't know who I am, just saw a newspaper article saying that I lied to cops. <laughs> and they're like, yes, I want to give her $50. I'm just, I'm just astonished every single time something like that happens. And it is, it is very exciting. And I hope that. I not only um, inspire young people or women, I hope I inspire everyone to kind of step out of their comfort zone and do something like this, run for office, because it is so much fun. It's hard. It's hard work, but it's fun. And I get to say things like legalize recreational cocaine in public. And (laughs) that is the best
1: uh, I think that's something we can all get on board for.
2: <laughs> yeah, hey, I, I mean, I I I love the fact that it's 2018 and people are willing to hear that and say, "Yeah, we should legalize recreational cocaine." But, uh, 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 th- this uh,
1: this one goes out to uh, to Bo. Uh, this this is more. Um, well, I mean, it's more uh, open question, but. Uh... Um, For, you know, for the the listener uh, listening uh, who is new to um, libertarianism and is wondering, uh, he keeps hearing words like anarchy uh, and, uh, you know, um, lack of government, you know, for somebody who's sitting there saying, oh, what what does that mean? What can you tell that person to reassure them that that doesn't mean go out in the streets and riot. You know what I'm saying? How do you,
3: how does someone like uh, assuage the fears of, of of radical ideas and audacious ideas? I mean, yeah. Yeah. There's a
1: lot of fear, a lot of fear out there and, and uh, people, you know, you get a little bit, of uh, the imagination going and it spirals out of control.
0: Yeah. Anarchy has too much of a negative connotation as a word, and I really want to help uh, combat that. I think that's kind of what Derek's looking at.
3: Yeah, exactly. I think that's true. I think that you know th- this sort of conversation is a little bit different than what might happen at a booth. I don't know. I know Chrissy, I know that Christy. I know you have um, Tyler. I don't know if you have or Derek, but you know when you when you work these booths for the Libertarian Party, or you work these events for the Libertarian Party, you have and and literally you have seconds to get one idea across. And that idea is unlikely to be anarchy unless you're giving out like a bumper sticker that has like an anarchy symbol on it. For the most part, what you're doing is you are giving someone maybe the, the Nolan chart test. Maybe you're giving them a Libertarian Party card for the next meeting where you can have an, a longer conversation with them. But the first meeting that you have probably shouldn't be about deep philosophy. It should be something more superficial, something light, something along the lines of, hey, how are you? And getting to know the person and showing them a bit of empathy. That's just like a – but that's just good practice with any sales, right? So if if I'm trying to ease people's concerns about libertarians, I, I guess I need to know what their concerns are. First, if it's if they're concerned with rioting in the streets and being in conjunction with anarchy, I would say you're woefully behind on the news. There's already the rioting on the streets is already going on. That is not a situation unique to anarchy. There's going to be conflict. There's going to be strife. The best way for us to minimize the casualties, minimize the violence is to remove the state the state is the biggest proponent of the violence and the chaos and the disorder that everyone's so afraid of they're the ones that kill the most they're the ones that assault the most they're the ones that kidnap the most that you know I, it's only I, going to get I, go low I agree without to that i agree to that and uh, uh
1: you know it's, i'm not i'm just kind of playing devil devil's advocate here with, um you know, I'm always trying to think about uh, that listener who's out there that's that uh, is arguing with everything that we're hearing. I I think these are uh, really interesting ideas, and uh, I I would you know I'm very open to hearing lots more about it. Can um, I ask you a question,
3: Derek? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Are you registered with any political party right now?
1: I am a um, registered uh, Democrat, okay. uh, only you- only because I uh, I wanted to vote for Bernie
3: Sanders last election. Okay, cool. So what I'm hearing is that you made this this partisan decision for a tactical reason, right? You you're by your admission, and correct me if I'm wrong. The reason that you're a Democrat is because you wanted to vote for an individual. You wanted to vote for Bernie Sanders. Right. Okay. And I I think that, to me, that's a really good sign. It means that you have a natural understanding of of these sort of team sports and partisanship. Um, The reason I think that it's a good idea to consider a third party is because we can look in history and see that the two-party system has been completely ineffective. It's not... It is... When you only have two viable choices, and in many cases to actual choices because of oppressive ballot access laws, you end up with a diminished political market of ideas. That's why I support third parties. The reason I support the libertarian parties, because I agree that we should reject the initiation of force or fraud to accomplish political and social goals. If that's something that you agree with, or you think you might agree with, I would encourage you to go to your local libertarian party meeting. See if you get along with the people there. Um, but diving headlong into these sorts of deep philosophical questions on what society might look like after a government, I think is, I I think is a kind of a delightful tangent, right? It's a fun (laughs) debate to have. It's a, it's a really great, passionate discussion, but it is something very separate from partisan politics. I want to be in the libertarian party because of the nap. And the reason I am in a third party, not a Republican or a Democrat is because i want to destroy that system that artifact of the state it is oppressive and we should destroy it so even if it's not even if it's not the libertarian party maybe it's another third party check it out and and when you're checking it out when you're in dealing with these people in real life these are the people that are going to be the activists these are the people that you're going to deal with day in, day out. If you get really seriously involved and you make that sort of voluntary commitment. So check and see if you fit. And, you know, if you do, you know, take it, take another step and, you know, actually become a member at national or a member at your state and, you know, take it slow. I think that's the best course for most libertarians. And you'll find that as Tyler was saying, and as you were saying earlier, there's this sort of maze of, of philosophies. There's this maze of different, um, perspectives on statelessness and on what a state more, maybe what a state ought to look like. And minarchy. It, it's really cool. It's really fun.
0: That was probably some of the best outreach to a, a prospective libertarian. I have heard in a long time. Uh, Mr. Brown, uh, kudos to you. And, um, I gotta say, this has been a really productive show. We've gotten to hear about a hotshot upstart campaign in Ohio. Uh, we've gotten to hear, uh, Bo with uh, like very effective outreach and some great philosophy and um, I, I just want to kick it over to you guys are there any pressing topics you you want to discuss as we start winding
3: down there's a very pressing topic that i need to get out of the way christy you're a bitch for making me go through your facebook feed and go through all <laughs> those goddamn comments to find out what the fuck <laughs> you were talking about why would you do that to
2: me <laughs> okay so uh, i am a bitch Um, what's really funny is, uh, before I, before I answer your question is, um, I often get told that I'm aggressive or that I'm mean or that, um, maybe I could have approached it a little bit more with a little bit more sensitivity. I get told that about pretty much once a month and have been told that for about five years that I've been in this movement. Um, There is a reason I I am the way I am, and that is because, as everybody who is around me knows, I never shut the fuck up. Um, I talk way too much for my own good. And so I always figure, if I'm going to never shut the fuck up, maybe I should talk about things that are kind of important. And I'm also not afraid. um, You know, I was on national television for having sugar daddies, for Christ's sake. I'm not afraid to say what people are afraid to stay. Um, and so a lot of times people will give me information and talk to me about something and then, uh, now I have to go tell people because this is fucked up. And so there was a situation that I got told information about and I thought it was fucked up and I made a post about it. But I, what I had in the back of my head is that 26,000 times I've been told, you're kind of a bitch about things. You're kind of mean. You're kind of aggressive. Can you make it a little more pretty for us? You don't have to, you know, just come out and say things to me. You're a mess with it. And so I decided to make a post and not call out the person specifically, Because I was trying not to be a bitch. And what's really funny (laughs) is I was still a bitch. Um, Barry thinks I'm a bitch because I didn't just come out and say it. And um, the person and a couple of his defenders that I was talking about uh, thought I was a bitch um, for even talking about it. So... I'm a bitch, no matter what. So I, I also uh, want to
3: make it clear that you you absolutely requested me call you a bitch on a podcast. <laughs> I, I, I want to make sure <laughs> you really know that I didn't just come out of fucking left field. I'm not <laughs> like I'm not that much of a goddamn re Oh
2: my god! Like you said a nostalgia Like he just totally called me a bitch. No, um, I told Bo to call me a bitch on a podcast because. We, uh, someone asked, uh, someone said something about bitch and I said, you know, I've never been called a bitch on a podcast. Like I've been called a bitch like behind a computer screen all the time. Like, but come on, (laughs) call me a bitch.
0: I think that was kind of the impetus
2: of me wanting to get you on
0: the show was whenever I saw that, I was like, you know what? I want to be the reason Chrissy gets called a bitch on a podcast.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, well, see, this is the first podcast. Now, about a year ago, I had someone do a 20-minute live stream about how I'm a bully, but they didn't straight up call me a bitch. And so I prefer bitch over bully because I'm not a bully um, a bully picks on the weaker people I pick I don't pick on people I just like to talk about some fucked up things and I, I like to say fuck when I do it so you know I'm I'm not for, I, I'm sorry I love Larry sharp don't get me wrong he is such a good messenger but I don't message like Larry sharp I, I message like Chrissy and I'm kind of a bitch and so I thought it'd be funny if I got called a bitch on an actual podcast instead of just a live stream or 17 times in a comment.
0: So, you know what? I think we have officially earned an explicit rating. Everybody give yourselves a round of applause.
3: (laughs) You've got to edit edit this in some way, like, of Meredith Brooks, so that way you can have that playing on the outro. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> you know, I, that is exactly what I'm gonna do. Meredith Brooks, uh '90s classic hit single, "I'm a Bitch, I'm a Lover." That's gonna be the outro song, and and, 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 and you know, I think for the intro. For the intro, I think I'm going to go with a classic. Um, my mind was blown when I saw this. I don't know how it came up on my feed, but apparently Chrissy can own some Busta Rhymes. What was that about? <laughs>
2: um, I'm an avid karaokeer. Uh, that is my favorite hobby, even more so than politics. Uh, I think that's what keeps me not going insane is that I, I love to sing and I like, I like to do audience requests and people like to find the most ridiculous things to make me fucking sing. And so I, I wrapped, uh, forgot about Dre one time and someone was like, Oh, you can do that, but but can you do like fast rap? Like, I don't even know how it came up. This was years ago. And so they challenged me to at the next, um, the next date we were karaokeing, which was a few days later, to do Look At Me Now by <laughs> like Chris Brown and Busta Rhymes and Little Wayne. And so um, they didn't believe I could do it. And so they said that I had two days to do it. Well, this friend that challenged me got a video timeline within three hours because I just made a video of myself doing it and posted it. Now, people find this video randomly all the time, and it keeps getting bumped up in feeds And every single time people are like, oh my God, I didn't know you could do this. And what's so funny about it is it started out as kind of like a joke. Like someone told me I couldn't, so I fucking did. And uh, I don't, Bo is from uh, where I live here in Lancaster. And it is a small, yeah, it's it's a small farm town, and there's nothing to do but make rap videos and lie to the police about your name. And go on Dr. Phil for having sugar bodies. There's I literally nothing
3: hang, there. hang on. I can't have you disparaging our hometown like that. There's also lots of gambling. If you know where to look, <laughs> there's prostitution. There is a healthy amount of drugs. And we have the Fairfield County Fair, which is fucking badass. I agree I- with
0: that. And like I said with uh, Chrissy earlier, you can probably hike uh, the Rising Hill like 80 times. And you could probably ride the train over at the River Valley Mall. Yeah?
3: Yeah I, mean, the, yeah, I don't think I don't think it's there anymore. That, they that's have exactly
2: like the days of Damon's and shit, man. That's that's the good old days. <laughs> Listen, Lancaster at the mall. Um, first of all, there's like four stores left in that mall, uh, but they have these little individual animals that you can ride, and it plays really creepy music. So <laughs> there, there's these g- giant stuffed animals, like giant stuffed horses and zebras that little kids ride like a horse throughout the mall playing creepy music. And if that doesn't tell you that your mall is kind of going to shit, then I don't know what else (laughs) to tell you that. So I love Lancaster. It's it is such a weird town and uh, but I mean I love it. It's my it's my home city, but I mean it's the weirdest fucking place you'll ever be. And it's just my question is, how does uh,
0: Representative uh, Wickers uh, bring prosperity back to Lancaster?
2: Oh, that is a great question. Okay, so first and foremost, we need to get rid of Jobs Ohio, which owns uh, all of the liquor in Ohio. And it gives, uh, it gives money, all the money, the liquor money goes to... Uh, corporate welfare. So we need to get rid of that organization and allow people to own liquor stores that aren't sanctioned by the state because we like to drink here in Lancaster and I <laughs> think says prosperity, like owning a liquor store. We got our second liquor store. Um, uh, there's a store here that bought out all the liquor licenses and we finally got our second liquor store in this huge-ass alcoholic city uh, just recently, uh, just a few weeks ago. And that's not okay. Uh, we also have vape shops being shut down and uh, CBD oil just became illegal overnight uh, a few oh, days ago that's ugly. yeah so yes. those, uh, those shops are being shut down and uh, we have, so we need we need to cut back on that regulation. We also need to get rid of occupational licensing. We got a lot of people here with a lot of skills that can't use those skills because, unfortunately, they have to go through thousands of dollars and hours and hours and hours just to get licensed. And first and finally, we need to legalize marijuana, and we need to pardon nonviolent drug offenders and stop putting them in jail and stop giving them a criminal record because those people can't get jobs. They can't get apartments. They can't do anything with their life because they have a weed charge from 1992. And that's not, yeah, that is not okay. That's why these people here are suffering is because, hey, I fucked up when I was 18. I got a weed charge. Now I can't go to college. I can't even join the military. Uh, What am I going to do besides sell drugs? And we need to give people an option other than sticking a needle in your arm or sucking dick for 20 bucks. We need, to, we need to do something for these people, and that means getting the government out of their lives so that they're able to prosper. And uh, I've taken this message to about 10,000 voters so far in my area, and uh, I, about 90% of them are like, oh, my God, thank you. That makes sense. I'm so tired of trying to listen to someone else have, talk about solutions, and it's the same old thing. You know, they they hear our solution and they're like, oh, my God, that sounds like something that could work. So that's what we're doing is we're bringing that to people and people are willing to listen. And we're also trying to bring education to people and explain, you know, not all heroin addicts are bad people. Um, Most of them aren't bad people, actually, you know, um, that... You, it, fucking up in your life doesn't mean that you can never ever get back on your feet you know I had a child when I was 16 that was that was a fucking dumb thing to do but I I owned it you know and I have a 12 year old who drives me as fucking insane as I drove my parents and
0: and we lost Chrissy, but hey, I'm sure she'll be popping back in here in a second. And I just want to point out that her 12 year old is actually one of her number one phone bankers, showing that there is no age limit to some quality activism.
3: Exactly. Keep Lancaster weird. Vote for Christy Wickers.
0: Uh, yes, yes. And um, <laughs> you know, while we wait for her to get back on, um, you know, Bo, I just want to kick it over to you. Uh, do you have any good final thoughts, or you know, things that you want to go over? Cut
3: on um, oh, Christy's Wait. back. We lost you. Uh, you can pick up right where you left off. I just said that uh, we need to keep Lancaster weird and vote for Christy. Christy Wickers.
2: <laughs> and I would say
3: that
0: your 12 year old was a blessing because he's your number one phone banker and a great door knocker. So It's like there's no age limit to becoming a good activist.
2: Oh, no. My son has been an activist. Uh, he went to his first in the Fed rally when he was four. And uh, we did Occupy Portland when he was six, and um, we have we've been a duo taking down the establishment for quite some time. Uh, he's actually very active in the Libertarian Party of Ohio. He staffs booths. He uh, he couldn't gather position signatures because you have to be a registered voter, but he was at every event uh, talking to people. He uh, he recently read the law by Bastiat. And is yeah, he has philosophy debates with a lot of people in the party. He's, uh, you know, he goes, he he's on par with Ken Mullman and Dustin Anna. You know, he he sits there in the office and uh, you know likes to debate. And he he's also a huge brat, but that's a good thing. You know, anytime he's being real, uh, real defiant, I'm just like good boy. Now act like that towards the state, not your mother. So, uh, you know, I have, I'm lucky. I I always tell people, you know, yeah, it was hard when I was 16, 17, 18, uh, with, with a child, but you know, I'm older now, things are a lot more settled down. He's older and I feel lucky to be a young parent because I'm able to give that energy and passion to him and he sees it. And you know he's able to take that passion and talk about it among with his peers. You know he wrote in Gary Johnson last year for the mock election, or in 2016, should I say? Um, he during they had a walkout protest at his school yes. after like the gun violence stuff, and my son was there talking to people about why we need guns, and <laughs> you yes. know. It was, I actually recorded a video and I've i posted it before. Uh, he hates when I do that, but um, he he's very he doesn't just say my opinions. He has a lot of opinions that aren't mine. He he's able to listen and learn and take those take that knowledge and form it into his own opinion. And I, I mean, I, I'm amazed every day because he's like a human now. He's not like my little kid that shits his pants. I mean he's like he's like a <laughs> human.
1: And and that's saying a lot because sometimes I uh, I still shit my pants. <laughs> How don't we all? That's my Derek.
2: <laughs>
0: but uh yeah, the only thing I do I, want to I, touch base I, on is uh, Chrissy, I know. Oh, and my own daughter is actually uh, joining the podcast again, uh, so I'm going to hop um, over here and take care of her real quick, but first, uh, Chrissy, one year anniversary with your husband, how's he been supporting you in this whole uh, campaign, how great has he been?
2: Um, I am so, so, I, I keep I keep saying this, I'm so lucky for this, I'm so lucky for that, but I, I really, every time I say I'm so lucky, I really do mean it, um, I am lucky that I have Brandon, so before I met Brandon, I was in a seven-year relationship with a guy that hated everything that I did. He hated my activism, um, and I was a lot more uh, into protesting and direct action um, a few years ago. I calmed down a little bit, but he hated everything that I did, and he hated karaoke, and just everything I did sucked, and then um, a couple years ago, I... I was at a, a campaign event um, working on a bill, and I met this guy who uh, I, I met him. It was really funny. He was talking about going to karaoke with somebody else, and me being a loudmouth bitch was like, get out. And we're back.
0: All right, excellent. Um, just be one second. I, I didn't realize there was like a pre show staging thing, so that's pretty cool. All right, um, Derek or Bo, is that you? Uh, yeah, I'm here.
2: Doesn't look like Bo's on. All
0: right, uh, we'll give him about another minute and then we'll go. I'm kind of dealing with a little crisis of my own over here. <laughs>
1: Is, there is. Is, is this a uh, pre-stage?
0: Not airing? Yeah, it's like a staging area. I didn't know we had a staging area on the app, so that's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, that is cool. Both here.
0: Yo! Alright, um, so I I think we were uh, covering uh, how Chrissy met Brandon, so we will be going back <laughs> here, here in
2: 3,
0: 2... All right. So thank you for sticking with us through some technical difficulties. We're just going through the story of how Chris met Brandon. So let's let's recap that real
2: quick. Um, uh, All right. There we go. Okay. So I was on here twice. Um, So... I we were working on a campaign, and I heard him talking to someone else about going to karaoke. And I didn't really know too many people on this campaign, and so I just heard the words karaoke, and I said, "Oh, you know, can I come?" And he's like, "I guess." <laughs> and uh, we got we got to this karaoke place, I went with him and a couple of people from the campaign, and this uh, guy who didn't speak English was trying to hit on me. And Brandon, was me. <laughs> he was a Spanish mi- uh, Spanish minor in college, so he was. Uh, trying to translate. Uh, come to find out this guy like killed people in Puerto Rico and was on the run. So, wow. um, yeah, but he offered to buy me drinks and so hey, I don't care who you murdered if you're buying me free drinks. So, um, he offered to, you know, he offered to buy me drinks, and I told him, well, if you're gonna buy me drinks, you have to buy my friend drinks, who was, you know, translating, and so, Brandon said that was the moment he fell in love with me, because he said he's never been out with a girl who got free drinks, and then gave them to him, too, so, uh, we just started, I, he got up right after, you know, he started drinking, he got up and rapped a karaoke song, and, and no guy had ever, like, I like I said I just got a seven year relationship with a guy who hated karaoke so I was like oh my god so he's political because he's on a campaign with me a libertarian campaign Uh, he he is translating for me with a murderer and he is uh, willing to rap in karaoke and so we were pretty much inseparable and uh, we we actually got married pretty quickly Um, but we just knew like I I mean. I for sure knew like this is the person that like I'm going to spend my life with. He has super dark humor. So we like try to offend each other as much as we can and, yes. and uh, we- we still haven't found what could be truly offensive to each other, you know? Uh, so we, it's, it's so much fun. Um, and he's super laid back and chill and easygoing and like really easy to get along with. Everyone gets along with him. And I'm the exact opposite. Like I am uptight and I am, <laughs> no one gets along with me and <laughs> I'm kind of a bitch. And so it's like such a good yin and yang. And so I got asked by my party uh, to run for office. I am the deputy vice chair of the Libertarian Party of Ohio. And I'm also on the executive committee and the central committee and political director for Franklin County and chair for Fairfield County. Like I literally like live and breathe the Libertarian Party of Ohio. And um, my party said, I, it's a couple people from the party asked, who's running for state rep in your district? And I said, I can't find anybody to run. I don't know who I'm going to run. And then that's when they put on their pretty, pretty, please faces and they're like, well, then you should run. And I thought, <laughs> uh, you can kiss my ass. <laughs> I'm not running for office. I, I like doing the be- behind the scenes stuff, you know. And uh, they tried talking me into doing a paper campaign. And so I'm like, you know what, I'll just put my name on the ballot. And I, I did that without even talking to Brandon. And I got, um, I, I went to file a committee and... Uh, once I did that, like, it was signing those papers, man, it just sparked something in me. I'm like, I can't just be a paper candidate. Like, I, 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 it sounds like kind of conceited, but like, I had too much skill to be a paper candidate, you know? I've, I've right. worked on campaigns for years. I, right. I know what to do, and I can't just waste that. And so I got a team together. Um, you know, of course, I, I talked to my husband, and I'm like, you know, Brandon, So I think I'm actually going to run for office. I think I'm going to do it. And he's like, yay, this is going to be so much fun. And I'm just like, I love you. I love you so much because so many uh, spouses, you know, uh, they can't handle that. They they don't want a, a spouse that has, you know, limited time already spending, you know, 50 hours, 60 hours a week on campaigning. They don't want to go door knocking. They don't want to do all this. Brandon already does those things. He he works for the Libertarian Party as well. Uh, he's on the Central Committee. You know, he already he does these things. So he was already willing to help. And uh, so I, I didn't think for a second he would support my decision. But he's he's been a big help. Um, I He doesn't really have, like, a position on my campaign team because his position is uh, defusing me. Uh, I get... <laughs> I'm serious. It's, it's a dedicated job. I mean, I should pay him. Uh, there's many times when I just get like, oh my God, I'm going to fucking kill somebody. And especially, you know, when that hit piece came out, I was just like, oh my God, I, I felt bad for my husband. Uh, he works at a restaurant and in Lancaster and everyone talks. And I felt like, I'm sorry I'm putting you in this position. You know, he knew all about my Dr. Phil stuff. Uh, he knew that before we got married. But he had to be, you know. People were talking to him. They're like, you know, your your wife used to go out with men for money, and he's like, yeah. And she almost has her masters, so like, when you work, you're a server, so like, what the fuck? Go ahead and try to compare lives with her, like, you know. So he's he's been not only defending me, but he's had to take a lot of flack uh, for uh, for a lot of shit that usually that men a lot of times can't handle, you know, no one wants to hear, like, my, my sex life previously has come up, Um, you know, I, Lancaster's a small town, so if you sleep with a couple people in Lancaster, that's like sleeping with the whole town, because everyone knows about it, everyone talks about it, and uh, for some reason, it's, like, a problem, so, you know, I've had a lot of people bring that up, and he's just sat there, and he's like, yeah, damn right, I'm fucking her now, so who cares? And, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's nice, because so many men, um, not that, I, I'm not trying to generalize men in general, but so many spouses wouldn't be able to take that on, and he's taken it on, um, you know, he's also a stepdad now, a full-grown kid, you know, he doesn't, he, he doesn't have a hand in raising him from early childhood, he's He's got a 12 year old stepchild, and oh my God, them two together, it's like having fucking two children because they play video games and they troll me. Like, seriously, like, Brandon tells him your mom jokes, and it's like, I'm his mom. (laughs) Like, you can't tell him your mom jokes. When you you tell him your mom's so fat, like, you're literally saying your wife's fat. So, thank you. Um, And so it's, Brandon has been like, besides my child, the best addition to my life. And I never thought I'd ever, like, go and ask the government for permission to marry somebody. And then I asked Brandon, and I fucking ran to the state. And I'm like, hey, oh, please, overlord government, please bless this union. And I didn't even care because I love this guy.
0: Yeah. Whenever my wife and I went to the Licking County courthouse to pick up her marriage certificate, she gave me a stern warning. She was like, now, Tyler, from the time we leave this car, to the time we get back in this car, I don't want to hear you say anything about government taxation being theft. Just keep it in until you get back. Can you do that for me, please? And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, your mom's paying for most of the wedding, so I guess I have to.
2: <laughs> Dude, that's what I love about Brandon, is we, he's, like, the one that's, like, can we talk about how this is, like, really hypocritical of us, <laughs> because we hate the government, and, you know, it's it's nice having someone, like, you don't have to beg them to, like, listen to you to talk about politics. Like, he's a, he's a philosophy major and a Spanish minor in college, and... Have you ever argued libertarian philosophy with a philosophy major? It literally doesn't end. I fall asleep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like a great guy to
0: have in your corner. And um, so, yeah, like, honestly, we have uh, uh, tapped out. We are at a little over an hour now. It's been a fantastic show, though. And kudos to everybody that stuck with it. Uh, Chrissy. Everybody Now, Chrissy, if you could have one thing you want the listener to take away about you, your campaign, and what you stand for, what would it be?
2: Well, I would say uh, for me and my campaign, uh, I believe in honesty and I believe in not sugarcoating things. And I believe that I could be someone sent to the state legislature and tell people when they're fucking up and not have to be afraid of, oh no, I don't want this person to hate me because I might wanna be speaker someday. I don't give a shit about that. I give a shit about changing my community into the community that they deserve. And my community deserves prosperity and they will not get that with all this little tiptoeing that they're doing in the state legislature. They're debating what a state dog should be. You know, they, they need someone be that's like, yeah, yeah, no, apparently it's a Labrador, so I'm sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, they're still debating it, so write your letter to your congressman. Um, <laughs> I think that's what I mean. They need someone that's going to go in there and say, okay, enough of the bullshit. Let's talk marijuana legalization. And that's something that any anyone that follows me for more than a week knows that I'm fully capable of doing because that's what I do every day. Um, and that's what I've done my whole life. My whole life has been direct action. My whole life has been protesting and being on the front lines. I got arrested by Homeland Security one time. You know, like, I mean, I this is this is what I do. This is my life This is my passion and sending me to the state legislature says that you want something done and you want it done now and you don't care if it hurts a few people's feelings along the way. Um, and one thing that I definitely want listeners to take away from this is go to my website, K R Y S S I for forohio.org. Don't ask me My campaign manager did it. So <laughs> that's one thing he messed up on. Uh, but if you go to my website, you can follow my platform. You can follow what we're doing um you can where we have some phone banking set up it's a little wonky right now but uh once we get it all smoothed out we'd love people to call voters and i'm not one of those people that says follow the script and tell people that i like to kiss babies i'm sitting here like call people and talk talk liberty with them talk to people about liberty because this isn't about me this isn't about electing Chrissy wickers this is about electing liberty this is about people hearing the message and their lives changing because they hear the message. Amen to that. That is
0: absolutely fantastic. I must say uh, I've been following your exploits on uh, the libertarian social media for a while. You've always been a hard worker, a great inspiration. And I sincerely wish you a uh, victory in your campaign. And I look forward to learning a lot more from you as I look forward to my political exploits in the future it was a great experience having you on the show
2: well thank you so much it's great being on here um you know you've personally donated to my campaign a few times and i appreciate you and i appreciate having an outlet to come and talk you know when i'm talking to mainstream media folks they're boring they don't let me say fucking shit so i really appreciate the outlet
0: yeah anytime uh, and then derrick uh, you have anything to say before we close things out uh, yeah yeah
1: I think it, I think it was a great show I like what I like to sit back and listen and uh, hear hear some hear some views. Um, Bo had had some had some very insightful things he, he had to say. Uh, Chrissy, I thought you were great. Um, just keep being a bitch. Just uh. <laughs> that in the best
0: possible just, way, ladies and gentlemen. Just, just
1: keep being yourself. Keep uh keep. <laughs> the enthusiasm the passion it's contagious and i think that's what's uh that's why you're successful so far so i think that's great and
0: then uh yes and then bo uh we're (laughs) just now wrapping things up so you're back in studio just in time uh what's the big thing you want the listener to take away uh from you what you want to see for the future of uh, the lp and america as a whole uh final words
3: Check out the Libertarian Party. We believe in the non-aggression principle, articulated as the rejection of the initiation of force or fraud to accomplish political or social goals.
0: Amen to that. It doesn't get any more clear than that. And, uh, guys, you're both uh, wondrous activists. I've learned a lot and laughed a lot from you guys tonight. Uh, Lancaster's own Bo Brown and Chrissy Wickers, ladies and gentlemen. My co-host, Derek Cooner. My name is Tyler Woodbridge. Follow the Trigger Report on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and don't forget to check out my personal Patreon at patreon.com slash Rights. These podcasts don't pay for their own bills unless the listeners – we can't do it without you. All right, and don't forget to go to uh, chrissyforohio.org. Was that right? Yep, .org. K-R-Y-S-S-I. She's the best, and that's no lie. <laughs> oh, God, I – No, I (laughs) shouldn't. What's that, guys? The show is over. Kaput. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Tyler Woodbridge for the Trigger Report. Have a fantastic evening. Peace. Later. (laughs)